Welcome to the Nonfiction Brand Podcast, Vinny. I love the name, by the way. I always appreciate a good nonfiction space, so I feel right at home. Well, as you know, and you've been involved with personal branding, you've been, and especially from helping what I would call celebrities build their personal brands, and you're also starting to actually really leverage your personal brand up. And I want to talk to you about that. But it's the key thing for me is that it's based on a nonfiction foundation, the truth of who you are as an individual. We can certainly maybe dial up certain aspects of ourselves, but it still needs to be truly unique to who we are and the value we provide others. But enough of me talking about that. I want you to introduce yourself, but not you talking about it now. I want to let your video that you can find on your website do a little bit of talking for you. So let's just listen for a minute, shall we? Oh, my Vinny, Vinny, Vinny. He is actually the reason I got my very first hosting job. He started a lot of careers. He said that we have a personality and I know what to do with it. I've been on MTV for years and it's all because of one Vinny Potestivo. Vinny Potestivo, who's cast reality shows like Millionaire Matchmaker, Pregnant in Heels, and that show where Jersey women try to throw tables at each other. I'm just now stepping into my own light and uh, I launched a podcast. It's called I Have a Podcast and I sit down. Okay, I, I, I don't mean to step on you, but I want to highlight something that I know my listeners have heard over and over again, which is step out of the shadows and into your own personal spotlight. So when I was watching this video and you said, I'm stepping into my own light, I'm like, oh, the, the heavens parted, the angels sang, and I said, I got to talk to this guy. So again, I'm, I'm talking with Vinny Potestivo. And now I want to give you 30 seconds to give me your kind of elevator pitch on who you are, what you do and how you do it. Because I think listeners are going to find you really interesting, especially those who have, are maybe fans of reality TV, of MTV. And really, you probably recognize some of the voices in that clip. Most notably, I think that British guy, John Oliver, who was on The Daily Show and now is doing Last Week Tonight. So take it away, Vinny. Tell me about who you are, what you do, and how you do it. Oh, it's so thank you, by the way, for the space. And I agree. It's it's all about the person, the that sort of the it factor is you, you know. And 20 years ago, I got to help people who had access to MTV. I got to help them change their narrative. I learned that the stories we tell ourselves are not so true. And I can't change reality. I can't change the perception of your life. But I can change your life if you're willing to do it. And I did that at reality TV in the late 90s, early 2000s at MTV with reality television, mostly because that was the tools that were that was around me, you know, television cameras and, and crews and, and having access to the network was around me. So I knew how to make an impact that way. But we helped artists change their narrative. We helped them control, not even control, but add to the lexicon, to the to the to the, how people were describing them or understood them as characters. And, and it was exciting to get to help people do that in the late 90s, early 2000s, because those people became huge celebrities since then. And and I think I have this reputation of working with celebrities. But to be honest, they're, they're all very regular people. Maybe they're in a band. Maybe they're in a movie. You know, maybe they're in the beginning parts of their career where there's something sizzling, you know. But they were no more further along in their career than, say, you or I are, even if we were starting out one or two years in. And, and the cool thing about what I got to do 20 years ago when when people are what when pe- what people do now on social media you know with their phones with their fingers with their friends their networks like that's something i had to do 
you know, through a cable network. And it's so cool that we all get to experience brand telling and story making and character development. And I'm really honored, to be honest, that I got to do it at MTV at a point where it really helped shape culture in a big way, storytelling culture in a big way. And I'm passionate about it. And I'm passionate about helping creatives be successful earlier in their career. Maybe that's because I started work at MTV, but I've seen a lot of people quit because of time, because of lack of resources or lack of energy. And and anything I can do to help someone achieve success early in the career, sustainably, by the way, with me, because like I, I, not only do I want you to win, but I want you to win forever and ever. I want you in, in my life for as long as we can be. And this is the way that I know how to do that is by empowering people around me connecting them with tools, opportunities, information. Let me give listeners just a little bit of a list of the, some of the stars that you've dealt with and helped out. And by all means, I would love to find out exactly how you did that. But for now, let's just get the names out there. Names like Ashton Kutcher, Jessica Simpson, Ashley Simpson, Diane von Furstenberg, Rob Lowe, and Mandy Moore. Now, and th- I picked out Mandy Moore on purpose because... I want to go back to that video that you have and just play this from her. Now, Mandy Moore, does that name ring a bell? Mm -hmm. If you grew up in the 90s, you knew her as a pop star. If you had a child in the early 2000s, you knew her as Rapunzel in Tangled. And if you're a fan of one of the biggest shows of the past 10 years, This Is Us, You certainly know who Mandy Moore is. And here's what Mandy has to say about Vinny. So let's roll this. I am so excited for this juncture of your life and your creative career. I cannot wait to just dig in deep and listen to all of these podcast episodes. I'm so glad that you are finally doing something front facing the world. Is that the way to say it? I'm just so long overdue. You are such an incredible sounding board for so many and you have been behind the scenes for so long, developing other folks, it's high time that you had your moment in the sun because you have so, you are so gifted, you are so wise, you have so much experience, you have so much to teach so many, and I'm really, really glad that you are recognizing that and giving yourself the space to share that with the world. And that right there, my friends, what she said so generously about Vinny could be said about any of you, which is you have all this skill, this expertise, this uh, ability that you've developed over your career. And it's great that in this case, she's telling Vinny, it's great that you're stepping into the spotlight with your I have a podcast podcast. But it's also a call to action, which, of course, is at the core of what this podcast is about, which is Get into your own spotlight. Put yourself out there. I love her description of a front-facing way of dealing with people. You know, taking credit for who you are, what you do, and how you do it. And I know that that's what you're all about. Yeah, you know, it's when it's funny when I think of the early part of my career. Maybe the first two years, I was a little quiet, and not to say I was ever quiet or timid, but much more so than I, I was. You know, for the last eight years that I was at MTV. And I kind of had this, I felt like this, like a persona, almost like a personality, a presence. And I started buying into believing Vinny from MTV and what Vinny from MTV was capable of. And I would go out and I would bump into Wade Robson and I would say, you should have a dance show. And I would bump into Ashley Simpson and I would say, you're recording a soundtrack. You should have a reality show. And, and I started literally 
giving, 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 giving. I was lucky that I was at MTV. So, so when you give an idea and you're the platform like MTV and it comes back to you, it comes back to me. So I was able to be a part of, of those stories to help craft and be part of those stories. But just again, to, to work with stars, to work with celebrities, to work with people who put themselves on the line, they create content. Like right now we create posts and then we put it out and we get upset if no one likes it, right? A couple of likes here or there. Imagine being an artist back in the early 2000s, putting out an album. Now you know how they felt. Every single track matters. You know, every single metric of success, sales, listeners, all those things that got real strange in the early 2000s because of technology. It completely shifted, you know, how, how storytelling, you know, was, was, was happening. Napster, AOL, you know, I can kind of go through the, the technological list of, of ways that, that storytelling was impacted, but it was a pretty, a pretty remarkable time, storytellers. What I think you're referring to almost, to put it in what I would call up-to-the-moment terminology, that was the period when stars understood they needed to become creators, the way that we call creators creators now. Yeah. It was, it used to be if you were a star, you would receive scripts. If you were a music performer, you would maybe work with a producer and, and stuff like that. But it wasn't necessarily entirely up to you to create the stuff from scratch. Right. I think about Ashton Kutcher and Punked when he, he started out with that. That was like, huh? Uh, a Hollywood star is kind of creating his own slash. It's not a game show. It's a reality show, I guess. But that's kind of interesting because normally stars receive scripts. They get the job and they're in the show as opposed to, no, I'm going to be the producer of this show in which I may or may not even appear in an episode of. That, I, I kind of paid attention to that back then when that first came out, because to me, that was kind of a, that was a shift, mm -hmm. you know? And all of a sudden, actors and music performers and even voiceover artists have to become creators of content and especially now in the the modern world of social media, I've had a guest on this show who is a, who represents voiceover artists out in Los Angeles. His name's Justin Baker, and I was talking to him, and he said, "Do you know that voiceover artists can go into an audition, and part of the thing you will actually share with them is the number of Instagram followers you have, and how many people are following you on TikTok and everything else? Why?" Because a voiceover artist that is has none of that versus one that has a lot of that, mm -hmm. they're going to hire the person with the following because they know that the show has a better possibility of being a, a hit because they have a demonstrable audience. Does that does that well, resonate with you? It was interesting. It was interesting because, yeah, so so the audience and the reach back then before we could understand what followers were in tv there's something called a q score so there would be research that was done we would get sort of like the q reports and that would give us an understanding of whose face did the audience recognize did they did they know their names were was there a positive inference or negative inferences with them did they love to hate them did they hate to love them did they love them did they hate them you know all the sort of differences there's a lot of data that was out there that's nowhere close to as rich as it is now because of what social media has done and by the way i don't i think we've all been hearing about how corrupt the tv ratings system is there's like one business basically that gives the ratings for all of television and there's no way that it's possibly true or accounted for. And it's sort of a, an unfortunate situation that the TV people are in because of, of metrics, but no one's changed it. 
social media has really helped change that. And, and, and until, to be honest, until you start looking at the Kardashians and you look at the millions of followers they have, or maybe even some of you have listening to this or hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands, there was a time when 2 million people a day would watch TRL. And that doesn't happen anymore. 4 million people a day would watch TRL. When I left TRL in 2007, I think it was down to about 250 to 300,000 people a day were watching TRL live from 3.30 to 4.30. That's how viewership dropped in television. And, and by the way, keep in mind, a network like MTV will re-air something several times. That's because A, it wants to reach as wide an audience as possible, and B, that's because there's advertising dollars attached to those re-airs. So shows that have celebrities in them tend to re-air more on networks because of the ad value. First off, Punk happened because Mandy was dating Lomar Balderrama. I got to go to that 70s show. Will was trying to get Yo Mama pitched to MTV, but I, I, to be honest, I didn't get it. I didn't think it was funny. And I, I'm the person who notoriously who, who said no. Danny Villa, my counterpart, said yes and championed that show. So it's just, I love pointing out my failures. But while we were on set, Ashton and Will, they all played jokes with each other. And we thought that was a brilliant idea. And in fact, the original conceit behind the show wasn't even wasn't even like playing jokes on each other, but it turned into that. And, and I think the reason why Ashton, who originally was not going to be on camera, decided to take an on-camera role and stayed on camera for as long as he did is because of how the show developed. It went from being a prank show to being a punk show. And the difference to me is volume. We didn't try to aha, gotcha, zing, you know, sit on a whoopee cushion, hit a trip line, balloon. You know, it wasn't a simple execution that we were trying to pull over. We came up with the most ridiculous circumstances that would never, ever happen in reality and put celebrities in completely unrealistic situations that they believed were true for one reason or another. Like it was a, a real mental experiment on celebrity. And that's not how that show was originally pitched or developed. That's what the show became, though, when we went into season one. And I think it was easy for Ashton to step in front of the camera to create this because not only was he proud of what he created, but he wanted to show, you know, he was a movie star. He already he was a, a huge TV star on, on a huge, probably internationally, you know, award winning and, and viewed show, that 70s show. But he wasn't a production company. He wasn't seen as a producer yet. He wasn't seen as a content creator yeah, he wasn't seen as the media mogul that he had become because he didn't own a production company yet, but Punked gave him that. And I think that somewhere in the process of developing the initial concept when it came in as the pitch to what it ended up being is when Ashton took the leap to being on camera. And to be honest, and Dax, I want to point out Dax Shepard for all of my podcast fans out, my podcast buddies out there, you know, we love Dax. We recognize him for so many things, but hopefully everyone remembers Punk, Dax, and, 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 and Al. So, you know, we had some, we had awesome talent, you know, that was on that show. By the way, my job on punk was to get the celebrities to sign the release form after, after the <laughs> event. I had the worst job. I usually have the best job. Like, I can tell you the TRL, I had spring breaks. I had the best job on every show ever, except for punk I would uh, worst job. <laughs> I have no doubt because I'm sure that there were more than a few bruised egos there, but it's all relationships is the moral of the story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, in the, the thing you were saying about Ashton Kutcher, understanding his changing role or the opportunity. Now he's his brand, his personal brand 
He could have been the eye candy dumb guy from that 70s show for the rest of his career. He could have been typecast into that. Mm -hmm. He then he he started making some interesting changes. You know, he became Mr. Demi Moore and, uh, you know, Butterfly Effect. He has some cool movies. He has like, yeah, well, exactly. He goes in some cool areas. But then he started doing this entrepreneurial side Mm -hmm. of what he does, you know, early investment in major social media companies. Uh, and I, I don't know his full portfolio, but I always associate him with Tesla and, yeah. you know, kind of the cutting Winner. edge out there stuff. And very early on, he was actually sharing the entrepreneurial side of who he was as an individual. He could have been runway model, good looking, dumb guy the rest of his life. But there evidently was more to who he was as an individual and what he could do as a professional and were you involved with him actually kind of reaching in and and understanding that hey you aren't just a pretty face who can say a line on a sitcom no i was not part of his team that helped him see that i did get to work with him at catalyst when i left mtv in 2007 i worked at catalyst for about a year developing concepts with him that went on to network as well i saw him create a series he sold a series to myspace sort of like a reality the office So it was like a reality version of like our production company and all the things that we were sort of doing. But Ashton's like the thing that was is is remarkable about Ashton is being in the room with him, being in the audience with him and listening to feedback or or having an interaction with a real industry leader. And then two seconds later, putting that into action, he takes action faster than anyone I have ever met. And he does it with such confidence. And it's almost like a character study thing with it. I almost see him like he almost like he's almost like processing what you're saying, figuring out why you're saying it the way you're saying it. Once he understands how you're going to end your sentence, then, okay, great. Now he can. And I've seen him do it property after property. I've been in I've been in pitch meetings with him about projects that didn't move forward where we're talking to hoteliers and just the biggest you know, names you could imagine, the smartest people. And we all do something different. And we all do the same thing. We all add to culture. We all add to the conversation. We all sort of do it in a really unique way. And Ashton knew that, you know, like now if I sat down with with five different production companies and I asked them how they make money, they would all say something very different. Each one of them would sell maybe to TV shows, maybe sell podcasts, maybe we license Maybe we're, you know, there's all these, maybe it's straight to home video, B2B content, closing, so many different ways. Ashton had the ability to be in all of those rooms, collect all that information before social media was sharing that information. And he had a really strong network of people who he could turn to, to, to immediately implement them. And I always, I always thought that was so valuable about how he operated and he surround and, and, and I can relate to that. I surround myself with greatness, I surround myself with absolute best i know i'm like i say like a mirror sponge i soak up the energy spit it back out even more than what you gave me but it's all yours so it's like all in your rhyme and rhythm and and frequency i'm not stopping what's already happening i'm sort of just sort of either amplifying it or igniting it accelerating it yeah you're plussing it you're taking what's there and adding to it and that could be in the form of energy. It could be in the form of ideas. It could be in the form of inspiration or encouragement. All of those things. That's what I'm getting from you. That's radiating <laughs> off you like crazy. That 
that you are there and you aren't asking the question of how can I sell this to somebody? It's no, here's the idea. Take it, run with it. Go, 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 go. Yeah. And my Who's, value to you. Who is, else is going to buy that other than me? <laughs> well, exactly. But, but that's where you're going with your career as far as I can tell. And I want to talk more about that. You've worked with big stars at MTV. But now you're moving into, and, and I'm not saying that you aren't continuing to do that. I'm saying you're starting to look at Vinny Portesquivo as a star worth shining some spotlight on. If, if I'm not incorrect, can, can you talk to me about when you decided to go from the guy behind the scenes to the guy in front under the spotlight? Oh, that's a great question. Two years ago. Yeah. So there's there's two answers to that. First off, let me just answer your question. I realized that I was making myself smaller so that I can continue working with the giants that I've always worked with. I thought that if I make myself smaller, that I will attract larger energy. I'll have more room, right? Because I take up too much space. So if I'm small, then I'll have more room for the giant names that I've worked with and that you know, I got to work with Beyonce and put her in her, her first film. And, and, and we brought Mandy Moore to MTV and, and helped launch her career. And, and, and by the way, I can go on and on and on. So many, so many people. It, it's just a, a testament to what we can do together. And that's just, that's just so powerful. So when you decided that being small, did you feel like being small was not serving you well? I started making myself small because I thought that would create more space and energy. And, and to be honest, I wasn't getting the result that I, I was hoping for. In my smallness, I was able to create my podcast because I had created a gigantic amount of space for me to feel safe to create. So I created a podcast in my smallness. And when I went to release it, I realized that I am just so much better when I am not trying to hold back. When I believe in what I'm saying, when I show up for myself as much as I want people to show up for me, or as much as people do show up for me, that I could, I should show up for myself. And, and there, there's just been so many things that have, have stacked up since launching my podcast. And that was in 2020. And I launched my podcast and I got maybe about 50 to 70 clients and podcasts that I started creating in the last two years and kind of became like a production company for podcasts. And some of those have gone on to TV shows and films and books and things like that. So like that development piece to me is still in. So I, so I believe what I'm doing because I'm still consistently able to do it again. And I, there was some self-doubt that sort of creeped in, to be really honest, like this time around. I'm like 45 this year. In my 20s, maybe I didn't know that I could have even been not believing what I was doing. For some reason, it, it creeped in here. But the larger, the more presence, the more boisterous, the more I can share, the more I create, the more I put out, the more I get back. So... I don't want to say I hate being woo-woo and then say, but I believe in the law of abundance, but I do. I've seen it. I've lived it. And the more fun, the more honest, that's actually the, the, the more fun part is like the more honest I get to be, the more curious I find myself being and landing in spaces like this, a nonfiction brand where I can have conversations about the things that I'm so passionate about. That's a good sign that the energy that I'm putting out is the right energy. I I'd said earlier in one of those videos, you know, I'm stepping into my own light. And I think you reacted to it. You're like, we got to talk to that guy. I have to tell you something. I had to say that. I felt so compelled to say that. I remember feeling like I had to say those specific words and like, that's me putting out the beacon, knowing that someone like you is looking. 
I really feel that way. And, and I have an entire career, 20 plus years of reality TV casting where I cast people completely outside of my culture, outside of my norm, outside of all the, any, anything I was ever taught. And I did it respectfully with people from within those communities. And I, I never came into a show and said, I'm trying to cast six women from Jersey to do da 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 da. I would come into the show and say, hey, Housewives of New York is doing well. Housewives of OC is doing well. They want me to find Housewives of New Jersey. Do you know any? That, that's a different energy than I'm trying to cast. I ain't trying to cast nothing. I'm just happy to pass on the opportunity and I got to make sure I get Andy Cohen, six women, he's going to be happy about, you know, green lighting. And, and that's where the challenge is for me. And I'm, and I'm, a, I'm a people pleaser. So there's, there's that to it, too, you know, but I, I love and, and I'm an empath, a diehard empath with super thin skin. So we talk about taking inventory sometimes about, you know, teams like teamwork. What, what kind of team do people need and where do you start getting a team? For me, I needed someone with some thick skin because I know that I have thin skin. That to me is so important. And longtime listeners to the nonfiction brand podcast will of course, it's a drinking game, practically. Every time I mention my kind of distilled bumper sticker, which is know who you are so you can be it. That is exactly what nonfiction branding is about when it comes to personal brands. You got to know who you are so you can be it. So That's if true. you know that you're very empathetic and you've got thin skin, own it. Don't try mm -hmm. to sh put on armor and be something you're not. And don't be afraid to do what you do as well as you can, because the one thing I've noticed is that like attracts like, you know, you mentioned law of attraction type mm -hmm. stuff or that type of, oh, I forget Philosophy. the word, yeah, yeah. where you, you manifest it. That's what I was looking yeah, for, yeah. where okay. people yeah, believe yeah, yeah. in manifesting it. Yep, absolutely. I think a lot of times people think, well, are you saying that if I manifest or in my mind think Lamborghini, I'm going to get one? And to me, it's like, eh, not so much. It's more like if you want to be it, you have to see it in your mind and then align yourself with that. And that alignment has to be aligned with who you actually are. So if Vinny, you said to me, I want to be an action movie star, I go, Vinny, I, I don't know if you've got that in you when it comes to who you are as an individual, because an empath with thin skin, you aren't going to last the first two minutes on set. Call time. I'm not going to last. The, I'm not even going to make the call time. 4 a.m. for action superheroes. Forget that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Meanwhile, if, if you know who you are and are being it and recognize and very strategically say, hey, I'm building a company and I need someone with thick skin to counteract my thin skin or someone who can be a bulwark against the slings and arrows that might be coming our way or, or just the everyday challenges. That to me is the essence of building a, a comfortable, successful place for yourself in your, with your company and everything else, because you're just plain being honest about it. I wanted to ask you this question because listeners to the podcast know that, yeah, I was one of those actors in my nebulous twenties. And one of the things I found out when dealing with casting directors was if I didn't give a crap about getting the job, I converted really well. It's the jobs that I desperately wanted and they could smell it that I would not get. If I walked in there and I all kind of loose and confident and yeah. what the hell, I may get this, I may not, who cares? I was much more successful. I equate that to confidence. 
And most salespeople recognize that confidence is the number one thing they have to go have going in to make any type of sales engagement because people are attracted to confidence. Do you agree with that point of view? Yeah, I think I think it's two things. I think it's I think confidence allowed you to be authentic. And I think mm. it's truly the authenticity that I mean, we're so generalizing about every single casting ever. But I would imagine it's the authenticity in that moment. It's the breath work in that moment. It's the sweat beads. It's the eye contact. It's the authenticity, the transparency that having confidence will allow you to experience. It's the same way as you might be told, you'll find love when you stop looking for it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's and why? Because you're not you're not the detective version of yourself. You're not the scientist version of yourself. You're not the horrible sign reader version of yourself. You're not the romantic story writer version of yourself. You're just yourself. And you're not lost up in all the shoulda, woulda, couldas, what's my checklist? How do I make a perfect, you know? I think social media really helped people learn how to be transparent. For 20 years, when I worked with celebrities in reality TV, I'll never forget the first time they see themselves in the pilot. Ugh. So first what they do is they see themselves in the pilot, but you try not to show them the pilot because you know if they see the pilot, that's going to change the first season. But you know you can't do anything after season one. So there's a lot of strategy in regards to how to get, you know, the best out of people. Back then, a lot of that strategy depended on on network outcomes. So a lot of the strategy relied on how can the production company produce. And I think now the strategy is all relationships. The strategy is producer and talent. Even even networks like Bravo now, where they have their giant ensemble shows at MTV, those deals would traditionally be done at the network. And then the network would do all those deals for the production company and the production company can just produce the show and, and, and execute the budget. But with Bravo, they allow the production companies to negotiate the talent fees on behalf of the talent coming out of the show budget. It just it created an interesting relationship between the producer and the talent. A, tr a much more trusting one too, because they're much more transparent about these, especially in a time where, you know, there's sensitivity about talent payments anyway, and, 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 and rights that come along with that. So, but this is a great time. This is, a, I mean, and, and I'm so passionate now about getting me on podcasts. This is the first time in American history where you can create something and own it out of the gate and not have to sell it to a network to get it to see the light of day. That's the future. The creativity is, is currency of the future. And what we're doing now with podcasts, when people say, is it too late? How about this? How about no? How about when, how about when you stop thinking about listening to podcasts with other podcasts? How about when you think about turning on your television set, whatever, the same way you would go to Apple Plus when you want to see what Netflix shows are on. And then there's my podcast for you or anything that you want to watch that yet you say, I want to subscribe to that will come to you as opposed to like, maybe like I'm 45. So I grew up watching the TV guide channel. You know, I, I had to go, I had to go look to see what was on now. What's going on needs to come look for me. And that's the future. That's what podcasting is teaching us individual media streams of content that can be downloaded in pods while you're connected to the Wi-Fi and even after being connected to the Wi-Fi, you can still listen to them or if they're video, you know, maybe play them if it's a small video. But that's the power of podcasting and distribution. It's huge. <laughs> I completely agree with you. 
it's the means of production are now in the hands of everybody. If you've got a smartphone, you can do a podcast. Now, you might want to up your production values game over time with a, a nice microphone and, and, uh, and soundproof room and stuff, stuff like that. But let me tell you, being able to reach a potential audience, a potential global audience for little or no cost whatsoever. I mean, I look at what I actually have to pay for posting this podcast on Podbean, which is the podcast host I use. It's what, five $10 a month or something? I don't even know. It's so negligible. It's less than the, you know, a Starbucks venti coffee. And I can get my voice and my thoughts and my guests and build my network, grow it and demonstrate who I am, what I do and how I do it for that low cost. Yeah, there are free versions out there, but those free, those free platforms come at a price and you split your rights. I use Podbean as well. For me, from a rights and clearances perspective, Podbean is by far superior than and, and for the financial cost is Podbean is by far superior to what the other platforms are are providing. And also there is some shady business that's happening now in podcasting. So what we don't know, we don't know. And what we don't know is on other pod platforms, they are mirroring our show and then they're airing it without us knowing that they're airing it because they've mirrored our show. But in airing in a mirrored show, they're running ads that we're not getting paid for because it's been mirrored. And we're allowing, you know, platforms to do that. And then we, if we look in the fine print, you'll see which ones they are. But there's going to be some interesting shakeups happening in podcasts. Expect interesting shakeups in podcasting. It's booming. Podcasting changed social audio. Yeah. We would be no, Clubhouse, LinkedIn audio. None of that would be relevant if, if the power of podcasting wasn't more prevalent now than ever. There's only going to be more forward-thinking technological, even think about how it's going to affect film and TV. And then you layer in Web3 and the blockchain and you want to get technical. I mean, that's a beautiful, beautiful timing, right? And the whole point is everything you're saying is absolutely right. I mean, I once went to anchor.fm. I think it's .fm or mm -hmm. something, but anchor, it's a, a podcast platform. And I read there, I actually read the terms and conditions and I went, no, <laughs> way because they were practically asking for one kidney and rights to your dna no 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 own it because and i've always said one of my favorite bumper stickers is if you don't own it it's not yours i own this Ooh, podcast 100 percent. i'm sure you own your podcast 100 percent and that may not be down the road. Like if, if yours takes off and get, attracts the attention of a fill in the blank, you know, Joe Rogan, Hey, mm -hmm. he did okay with his podcast, a hundred million dollars uh, as a Spotify exclusive, but it's actually worth more than, you know, it is. And, and I know the team Liz, and I know the team that did that deal, by the way, and the Obama's deal. And, and they did done some big podcast deals over there. So I have a podcast. I actually got it registered. I haven't aired an episode of my audio podcast since November. I think the last episode I aired was Jamie Lynn Sigler. And I think I'm 18 episodes in and I had an amazing reaction. I got great press. I got great traction. I didn't feel impactful enough. So I went and secured some distribution deals. I relaunched. I have a podcast, the podcast as I have a podcast.com, the platform which is a podcast discovery platform for independent podcasters. So I'm literally looking for like my fellow brothers and sisters who are creating podcasts 
to fill out a form so I can amplify you, so I can discover you, so I can publish you and put you in front of the audience that I know is buying media. And I still didn't feel like that was enough. So I went and got a distribution deal with Bespoke TV and turned I Have a Podcast into a television show syndicated on Cox, Comcast, DirecTV, and about a dozen of those OTT networks we hear about, those those AVODs via Bespoke TV. And I'm calling that I Have a Podcast on TV. And it's all I have a podcast because I want people to track it. I want, I'm trying to be very obvious. I want you to see what I'm doing with it, how I'm turning it into a tour, how I'm turning it into an academic masterclass, how I'm turning it in, like what I'm doing with it so that you can do it yourself. I, I've been doing this for 15 years. I just didn't make it so obvious. Like the first podcast I converted into a TV show was in 2000 with, wow. with Batman Scoop and his wife, a man and wife. It was a, a sex, a late night sex talk show for MTV. And it was needed, especially after like learning sex from Dr. Drew Pinsky and Adam Carolla and Love Line, <laughs> you know, two guys yeah. that I did not necessarily relate to. So yeah. I'm very happy to get, you know, usher in uh, a new voice and a new perspective into, you know, that to that into what that even means. And it all goes back to just creating the podcast, believing in myself and making stepping into my light. So I want to bring it back to the very where we started. I want the spotlight so that you can find me. I don't, I have to be really honest. I, my goal is not to try. I don't want to say, I don't want to be like, I don't, my, my goal is not to be on camera. My goal is to, the, the, the purpose of me being here right now is to find you. Like the purpose of me standing here and sharing the story with you is so that I can help you get through what's necessary because you have a message that hasn't been heard yet. A lot of my messages have, by the way, and I continue to keep putting my messages out there. I have the infrastructure to do it. Uh, but the whole reason why I do this, why I'm so passionate about, and I feel like a, a podcast salesman, you know, I get nothing out of you having a podcast other than nope. my cheeks hurt when people tell me that they, they launched their podcast because there's so much power in it. No kidding. And it's such an opportunity because there was a time when what we're doing right now would have required a radio station, a 50 watt radio, you know, 50,000 oh, yeah. watt radio station with studios and everything else. And the fact that we're live streaming this too, globally to five different live stream platforms for free. And again, I'm not paying a cent to restream.io. Sorry, restream.io. I'm happy to point to you and say, Hey, if you want to multiplex your live stream out, do it via restream.io. But they aren't paying me and I'm not paying them. I could never have done that as recently yeah. as, I don't know, seven years ago. Also, I like this webcam stuff. I like, unfortunately, that we're in this pandemic, but like the Zoom experience that we all just went through, like we're all pretty much used to talking on camera now to each other. That wasn't something people were comfortable with three years ago. I, I, I've been <laughs> Skyping and recording Skypes and Zooming and recording Zooms for since 2007 in reality TV inter interviewing people. So this is a way that I know how to be very normal. And I, I actually almost pretend that this is not going out to millions of people and being seen by thousands of people. My hands get sweaty. My accent comes out. I get very like, you know, uncomfortable. It gets, I get in my head what I'm, what I'm able to do now because this is my computer, my lights. I'm actually used to having a microphone in front of me, which is kind of strange, but it doesn't make me feel like I'm a host. It doesn't make me feel like I have to turn on or be a, a, a different version of myself. And that's that transparency. That's that authenticity that having confidence 
in what you're doing, having confidence in yourself and believing in yourself will give you for sure, hands down. Yeah. And again, knowing who you are and being it and demonstrating yeah. it I love because that. every time that you or I get on mic or camera, we are demonstrating who we are, what we do and how we do it in the most authentic way possible. And, you know, I'm a huge fan of podcasts and I have been. I remember when Adam Curry wrote an article or it was written about him in Wired magazine about the first yeah. wave of podcasts. He's the father. I, of know the, I know the article you're talking about. I remember it. And I remember it, too, going, this is kind of interesting, but is anyone going to do it? And that was way before the renaissance of podcasting, which occurred maybe, uh, I don't know, seven years ago, 10 years ago. And when things really started taking off and when I started my podcast, I looked it up on the old Google and there mm -hmm. were under a million podcasts right now. There are, oh, wow. well, there are about 3 million podcasts and that's within three years. So it's a growing space. The key is that most people don't get past their seventh episode and mm -hmm. it's like branding. And one of the things about nonfiction brand is that I try to bring the tools and techniques of branding package goods branding to people so they understand that you got to say the same thing over and over and over again in different ways but the same stuff you mentioned the fact that i have a podcast is kind of your tentpole concept for any number of packaged i have a podcast entities right yep. there's a reason yep. for that as you said, oh, yeah. I want people to follow that so they can see it on this. They can see it here. They can see it here. It's not a new flavor or a different color. It's always the same thing, always associated directly with Vinny Testivo, because that's how you build value as a brand, as a personal brand, you know, and I, I applaud you for what you're doing. And I can't wait to continue following to see how things are going for you. Before we leave this episode, which we kind of have to wrap up, I want to let listeners know how they can get engaged with you. Where do you like to hang out in social media? LinkedIn. I'm like uh, uh, hashtag LinkedIn is actually my personal hashtag. And I LinkedIn is like my homeboy. I love I love bumping into creatives on a business platform. Yeah. We stand out. We are so exotic on LinkedIn. There are so many jobs us right now they don't call us creative though they call us strategists they call us advisors they call us producers when we're not they call us editors when they're not they call us copywriters when they just looking for energy business people are looking for energy right now and creatives are standing out on linkedin and i have a newsletter that i put out that i highlight like some the top five coolest gigs for a couple of different types of creative jobs on uh, my newsletter every single week, every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern, I have a live LinkedIn audio event. Please come and visit me, ask questions live and interact with me. That's that's where I go weekly to do my lives. I love LinkedIn and I, I respond pretty well on Twitter, too. So I'm on, uh, I'm on Twitter. Instagram is one of those things that, you know, you got to do to make sure people know you're still around. You know, you get the ding dong. Is everything OK? And on Instagram, what happened? I'm like, what happened? Nothing. Nothing happens on Instagram. That's why this is a, entertainment happens on Instagram. And, and to be honest, I entertained in my 20s and in my 30s. You all watched it. So now it's time to do it and make a change. You don't get to watch me if you want to sit back on your couch anymore. You want to watch the stuff I'm doing. Get ready to get up and do something fun and exciting and be a part of something. And that's, that's what I'm, I'm creating now. VPE.TV. 
If you have any questions, I have a creator accelerator. I literally give away all the URLs that I use. Like if you have a blog, if you have a podcast and you take that podcast and turn it into a blog on your website, one of the things I like suggesting is dpe.tv slash Q-U-U-U. So there's three U's. MTV, vpe.tv slash Q-U-U-U. And that blog aggregator will get your blog out to everybody who's looking for it on LinkedIn, on Instagram, who are looking for the type of information that your your, uh, blog is about, is relevant about, and we'll share it. And there's no better way to share your information than to have other people share it. Right. That's that, that's liquid gold, by the way, the v, the Q thing, check it out. You know, when people want to share content, they don't necessarily have the content, but they're looking for people who do have the content. You make the content. You are the currency. <laughs> and, and, and when you have that ownership of it, then you can non-exclusively license it. You can add value by bundling. There's just so much that you can do by owning it. Just create, 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 create. And if there's anything I can, and, and, and I'm, a, I'm a splashboard, a creative splashboard. Like I produce a lot. I'm not out there trying to take anyone's ideas and I'm happy to sign an NDA. If you feel more comfortable throwing your idea at, at me, you know, ideas, people are, people think that ideas are very precious and they are, but not as precious as you might think. And what I want to do is help you either put them into action or figure out if like, you just have a, a hobby, a good idea. And, and maybe that- it's not going to go anywhere. That is 100% true. I used to think the idea was the most important thing. And the answer is, no, it's not. The execution is because the best idea in the world is sitting in someone's pocket right now, not being acted on. We will never know what the best idea is, but we will know what the best executed idea is because it actually got done. Oh, man, as you can see, Vinny's got a lot of energy and a lot of great ideas. And I'm sensing that you're a very open person especially when it comes to uh, meeting new people or helping them out or, you know, whatever. So definitely check out Vinny Potestivo at vpe.tv. That's kind of a place where you can find out all about him and follow him on all the various social channels and stuff like that. Check him out there for sure. Also, be sure to check out his I Have a Podcast podcast. The last episode that I saw posted was with Jamie Lynn Sigler, who if you're a Sopranos fan, you know Meadow. Anybody who can get Meadow Soprano on his podcast, I think is worth giving a listen to. So definitely check that out. Once again, I want to thank you for listening to the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. If you'd like to support this podcast, there are two ways you can do it. One is to go to Amazon.com and pick up your copy of the Dead Tree version of Nonfiction Brand Podcast called Nonfiction Brand, Discover, Craft, and Communicate the Completely True, Completely You Brand You Already Are. And also, I just set up a Patreon. Why? Because I could. It's patreon.com slash nonfictionbrand. You can become a patron of uh, D.P. Knuton and the Nonfiction Brand for as low as a dollar a month. Wow. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, D.P. Knuton, and he is... Vinny Potestivo. And I'll be talking at you again next week. Bye-bye.